Welcome back to Yang Speaks. Happy Thursday to all of you. It's your favorite non-Andrew Yang co-host, Zach Grauman, with the one and only Carly Riley. So what am I? If you're the favorite non-Andrew Yang co-host. I was, it was plural, Carl. That was plural. Co-hosts? Favorite co-hosts. Um, yes. You didn't and emphasize if I didn't say it, I'm sorry. Both of us, we're back. <laughs> Welcome back, folks, on today's episode. Here's what we're doing. We are going to dive in on this Texas abortion law that everyone seems to be talking about is pretty horrifying even if you Every, argue, everybody is talking about it except republicans it, this is the fascinating thing is that which have, means republicans probably horrified by it as well correct and then uh at least your average republican and uh I, we want to dive into this ivermectin drug that joe rogan used to quote unquote cure himself from covid and i want to we got to debunk a lot of that because the media is going nuts and you know carly that's our favorite time our when the media favorite. is going nuts. Um, wait, so. we should start, though, I think, with mm-hmm. uh, the scandal of the week. Not actually. But uh, you tweeted something over vacation and oh. I think very flippantly or like just, you know. I was sitting at a cafe at like it was vacation. So I got to wake up late and I woke up and I went and got a coffee and sit by myself having my like chocolate croissant or whatever they had at the bakery. It was great. And I tweeted something I thought was pretty harmless. I tweeted, normalize having friends with different political views than you do. To be fair, why did you think that was going to be harmless? Because I think, who the heck has friends that that agree with everything they believe in? I don't think that that shouldn't... I have friends that disagree with everything. People I love. Um, people who are... People who are liberal, people who are a little more conservative than I am. But like, I have friends that disagree. And oh my God. That is your privilege speaking, Zachary. Is it? <laughs> well, I, I it think- is a privilege to have friends that are outside of okay, your. I'm going to provide the, the like lefty. I don't agree I'm, I'm with I'm going to provide the lefty lefty perspective on this, but not yet. Let's first finish telling the story. So you tweet this, and, and then a then bunch of people were mad. A whole bunch of people were. <laughs> oh, should we normalize being friends with Nazis, Zach? And that was fun. Um, oh yeah, I was asked. Um, because I like, you know, of course, saw some of the replies. And so then I made the point about the fact I was like, <laughs> you realize like, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is probably the hero or the purported hero of many people on this thread, you know, she's somebody yeah. to hugely admire, was very good friends with Antonin Scalia. So then I had people Who's messaging me being like, oh, like, how many Hamas friends do you have, Carly? Like, where are all yeah. your Hamas friends? So this was this was, I think, the fundamental uh First fundamental disconnect was you meant like within have that reason, don't agree with you like, like, like you could have, you could have, you know, I have friends who are much further left than I am. Right. Or like you could even be within a particular party. Like it, you're not even talking about, and then everybody else interpreted yes. it like at the most extreme level. Of course, because it's Twitter. And I, I, so let me say a couple of things. And then I'd love, uh, yeah, I want you to teach me. Um, we talked a little bit about this, but the, the farther left side, I guess is here's what I'd like to say. Yes, there are a couple lines that should not be crossed in friendships. And, you know, someone who has hate in their heart is someone I do not want to be friends with, right? So I can't believe I'm clarifying this. No, I'm not friends with Nazis. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> that's not what that tweet meant. Um, but I want to say this for everybody who, or anybody that it possibly bothered, that 74 million people voted Republican in the last election. 74 million people voted for Donald Trump. So if you think that 74 million of those people, that all 74 million are morally bankrupt, I hate to say this, you are the problem. 
And that doesn't mean that there's plenty of morally banker people that vote Republican. There's plenty of morally banker people that vote Libertarian and Democrat and everywhere. But there is a large chunk of them that are regular human beings that disagree with you. They're not assholes. They don't believe in suffering. They just have a different view. They live in a bubble. There's a million reasons they could be voting for different political views. And it, I believe you should have friends on both sides of the aisle because if you don't, they don't have anyone pulling them the other way. So yeah, well, and and okay, on the I'm going to give the more lefty perspective on this in a second. Please but do. I, I think on tell the, me why I'm wrong on the pulling people the other way. That sort of why I end up fully landing with you, Zach, is I'm like, so what are you suggesting then? If you disagree with the idea, if you say no, we absolutely can't have friends who are on the other sides of the aisle, then let's just have the civil war now, right? Like then let's just secede. Yeah. Like what I, I don't. We'll never then, agree. Then we'll hate each other. Then how do we? And and the personal example I'll give is is my mom and hopefully all my relatives aren't listening, but like my mom has a cousin who's a uh, was like a big Trump supporter or and through like a number of dialogues, she actually started to see like oh like she was in a bubble and started to see that because my mom was willing to engage with her and have conversations with her and yes. have dialogues with her and, and I have a ton of friends that lean right whatever voted Republican and because of my involvement with Andrew Yang. Voted left this time. Yeah. They voted for Biden. So I, I just, from a practical perspective, I approach it like it's so critical to be able to pull people uh, further left in my case, right? Like that's what I want to do with people who are on the other side of the aisle from me. And that requires trust and, and a certain amount of friendship, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. On, on, so, on the left side of this, right? I, I just want to give some credit to this. I do understand that in their head, right? They're like, okay privileged white people who are not existentially threatened by policies. Like there's there's no policy that the government can implement tomorrow in any sort of realistic world that's going to like destroy our lives. However, if you are somebody who is poor, if you are, you know, in certain marginalized communities, so take this, you know, think of Texas and this abortion ban that we're going to talk about, right? Like there are women who are now, specifically for poor women, who are going to be forced into scenarios where they are living a life of poverty that they did not get to choose for themselves, that they did not want because of a mistake, call it quote unquote, right? That that rich women get to make all the time, which is, mm. oops, I had sex with somebody and maybe I was drunk and so I didn't use protection or whatever. And now I'm in this situation. Um, and so when you, and, and that's sort of an existential threat to that person's life, right? And so it, the left feels like, no, how could I be friends with? Or like, how can I mm -hmm. find a middle ground with somebody who thinks so little of my life because I'm poor or because I'm black or because I'm a woman or whatever? Like, I can't justify that. And they see that as very synonymous with being a supporter of Trump because they're like, how could you overlook his treatment of women, the things he said about black people, Muslim people? How can you overlook all that? That shows a certain moral bankruptcy that I can't surround myself with. All right. That's left perspective. And that makes a lot of sense. I think those arguments, frankly, give more credit to people that they are paying that much attention. Yes. I think they're like they're not following Trump's tweet of the day and all that. They they lost trust in the media, mm. like many folks. Mm. I'm not saying I'm not giving him mm. a pass, um, but I think the the left tends to follow Donald Trump's every move almost even more than the right does in a strange way. Um, so no, that's actually totally true. So for example, the person, the, the kind of friend of my mom's who was a Trump supporter, who she kind of pulled left more so, like genuinely thought that 
didn't think he had ever actually gone bankrupt. She thought that was all a lie. Like people have gotten to the point where they think all of these negative things that are said about Trump are just lies. No, it, yeah. again, it's like, okay, we'll listen to what he's, what is literally coming out of his mouth. But, um, Correct. The, the problem that I bubble, have with that perspective. There's a bubble factor and people have lost trust. So I, like, I, I think the. I do think that far left perspective on it is a very self-absorbed one. I think it's saying that like with the, and we'll get into this a little bit, right? With the, with the abortion example, right? Like, the people who are opposed to abortion see it as murder and they are not focused on, Hey, I'm trying to impoverish this woman, right? Like that's mm-hmm. not the scope and the angle that they're looking at at all. Um, and I, I do happen to be a believer of like, you have to meet people where they are, not where you think they should be. And so to, yes. I do think it's, it's very self-absorbed to a certain extent to say like, you know, this person is just, I, I, you know, I, I think there's a certain self-absorption to that mentality. Um, yeah, I think so. Look, I, we'll, let's, we'll talk about this. This Texas bill is important, but um, I will say this: like this stuff, like people hating on me on Twitter, just for what it's worth, like it does not bother me. Like I, <laughs> yeah, it's part yeah. for the course has been happening. But it, what does bother me is like from it bothers me from a state of the world standpoint, or at least a state of Twitter, where it's like, oh, oh shit, we've just collectively lost our mind. Um, <laughs> and because that's a very harmless statement. Uh, uh, like in the grand scheme of things, but in certain bubbles, it's a very offensive statement. And whew. so, uh, sorry, Twitter. Uh, it will not be the last time I piss you off and uh, certainly not first. So here we go. Um, but I, I do think we just all need to pick our heads up and love each other. And I thought that was a loving tweet. Like have friends on different side of the aisle. It's okay to disagree with certain people. And I understand where I've come from and I'm sorry. I can't be all things, all people. Um, I try not to be an asshole. I really do. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com yang. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Okay, this Texas abortion law. Yeah. I saw, let me say this, Carl. I saw all the hype. Um, so this law is, is a, horrendous in a lot of levels. But I saw all the hype and I was like, okay, this seems bad, but is the right overblowing things, the left overblowing things, right? And then I read 
I didn't read the law. That's not fair. But I started reading the breakdowns from from all so all yeah. sides. And the right wing outlines aren't really covering it, so it's a lot of but as many neutral sites as I could. And it's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, and and it it seems wrong outside of the abortion conversation. It seems like something we wouldn't do on any issue. Yeah, it's, now done it, it, like so. it is something that should frankly horrify both sides of the aisle because you want to talk about creating a illiberal state and creating like an authoritarian crazy like this overreach. Is it's it, it, it checks all these boxes beyond even the, the laws about abortion. So do you want to give a, so an overview here and then we can I'll break down the law, at least from like, a, I'm not claiming to be an expert, um, but I, I will give it for, for those of you who have just probably seen the hype and be like, that's dark, but maybe haven't gotten involved. This is kind of where you're at um, now. This So basically there was a new abortion law in Texas that bans abortions after six weeks and the Supreme Court, it passed a while ago, um, and other states have passed it as well, um, their own versions, but they haven't really been upheld. The courts are fighting them. But the Supreme Court upheld it, I believe it was five to four, um, upheld this law. So this law is pretty nuts. So it allows, so basically, it is, the reason it's so complicated is because it's not the state regulating and banning abortions. It's allowing private citizens to sue abortion providers, which is a very loose term. So it allows private citizens to sue abortion providers and anyone else who helps obtain, helps a woman obtain an abortion. And that's critical. So not anyone patient, else. I mean, if you, but anyone else that can be a friend, that can be Uber driver. If you give money to somebody, even if you don't know yeah. that money is being used for an abortion, if it gets used for an abortion, you can be sued. Yeah. And you can do it all over the state. So it's essentially meant to financially and painfully harass all abortion providers. So that can be women or anyone who gives a woman a ride to a clinic or provides financial assistance to obtain an abortion. Um, and if you're a private citizen who brings this suit, you actually don't need to show any connections to those you're suing. If you sue and you win, you get a $10,000 prize and your legal fees covered. And they have a whistleblowing website that you can literally just flag. So... Um, I mean, this kind of like people, the le- I, this is where I totally agree with the left. And they've been saying you're, you're putting a bounty on like fellow citizens. And, it, and it's, it's totally true. Like this is just a bounty out there for people to collect. And yes, it, it is so sick. And I, I do think this is why Republicans aren't advertising it more because that kind of like government sanctioned, government enabled law enforced, like citizen nanny state just feels like it would be everything they don't want when you're talking about like individual freedom get out of my yard get out of my hair it's um the other thing that i think is is so horrific about this is it doesn't have carve outs in the law for cases of rape or incest so if you are raped if you are raped by your father it is still completely illegal for you to have an abortion still get the uber driver gets sued for taking you to planned parenthood now what's crazy to me is like we don't do this for actual murder because, like, uh, yes, we report people who, you know, commit a nasty crime like murder. But we don't, if an Uber driver drives a person who then goes and commits a murder, right. we don't get to sue the Uber driver, right? right? You could go down, the, if it's done in a restaurant, <laughs> like that restaurant doesn't get sued. You go down the list. Um, obviously, they're different. But it, it's like the fundamentals of this are, to me, ridiculous. And the yeah. reason it's so complicated is because it's not state banning it's private citizens because you can't technically ban it you can't technically put somebody in prison for having an abortion so you just need to cut off all access and it's so that the estimations are wild but it's around 80 to 85 percent of women who would want an abortion or seek an abortion 
would be prevented from getting one given this. Um, the other thing is the six weeks piece is that six weeks, I mean, most you women basically don't, don't know even know you're pregnant, pregnant at weeks, that point. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you wouldn't know, you don't know until four weeks. So you basically have a two week window to take a pregnancy test and make a decision and then get to a clinic. Like that's, you know, it's, it's rough. So, um, that is the law. Um, Carly, I'm very interested in your thoughts. Um, I have some, but I, I also agree with Andrew on the presidential trail. used to say, um, he thinks men should leave the room when it comes to talking about women's rights and abortion admission, sec- women's sexual health rights. And on, um, on one hand, I very much agree with that. Why should men be having any say? But then I agree with you. We've talked about this before. Like that's also a cop out for men to be like, Oh, I don't know. I gotta let you, you know, uh, and then it lets shittier men like <laughs> have the loudest voice in the room. Yeah. So I do think it's important for guys like me to say something, um, in defense or against this law, which I'm, I'm doing, but I, I want to hear from you, Carly. Um, I mean, I, 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 I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I think um, one of the things that I've, I've thought about as this has all come about is I remember a number of years ago, you know, Texas was trying to pass some law that was very restrictive about abortions. They've, you know, they've tried many iterations of this. And the leading lawmaker in Texas who was writing, you know, whose team had like crafted the language for this legislation in Texas did not know that the, you know, the majority of abortions at this point are are a, a pill, right? Like for, for people to understand, you know, when women get abortions, the majority of them take a pill and that handles it. This person thought that basically he, he thought all abortions were um, like late term abortions, right? Where you had to like actually go in and and you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to get too graphic, I guess here, but like he, he had a, a very, very fundamental misunderstanding about how abortions even happen. And it, it just makes me so angry that you have these people pushing legislations and they have no freaking idea what they're actually talking about. Um, I, I'm really, I'm in support of, uh, there was some actress recently who came out said I turned down a, a movie role that I liked because it was shooting in Texas. I think the city of Portland said they like won't engage in any trade or like economic back and forth with Texas. I, I support all of this. Like, I am fully happy to cut Texas off for this. I think it's it's really, really harmful. And, and that's sort of how pro-choice I am now. With all of that said, I am going to probably wade into some mild controversy here because I also happen Let's to think it. that the way we as Democrats kind of slogan and message around abortion is a little irritating. Uh, and specifically the slogan, like my body, my choice, this whole notion of like, why do you get to control my body? We're signaling to the base well there, but we Mm -hmm. are not in any way trying to engage with Republicans when we use that slogan. And I'll, I'll explain why, and I'll give a better, a a better, better way to talk to conservatives about abortions. Okay. There is a whole wing of people who are pro-life who don't realize that their underlying motivation is totally sexism and trying to control women. I believe that very thoroughly. If you look at the history of Roe v. Wade in this country, for example, it was not that controversial when it passed. And then you had religious groups who started to like mobilize people around this for electoral reasons, blah, blah, blah. We won't get into that whole history. What I want to say now is at this point in this day and age, there are many people who genuinely believe that abortion is murder. And like, when do we become human beings, right? Like, when does this become That's murder? When does it not, right? Christian. And so, so there's like I mean, a I certain, I don't agree with it, right? But there's a certain logic, someone would say, hey, the 
viability outside the womb was at one point when Roe v. Wade was passed, but now viability outside the womb is is earlier than that. And it's just getting earlier and earlier. And we may reach a point where you're viable outside the womb at six weeks, right? So if that was the previous test for what made an abortion okay or not, like it, it, it's tricky. So I think saying my body, my choice, the fact that I have autonomy over my body does not give me the right to murder someone. Correct. So there's always been a disconnect for me in using that slogan on the left to try and counter the right who is saying essentially, this is murder, we should ban murder. Mm-hmm. But here's so here, here's what I think we need to do, right? We need to get Republicans to acknowledge and to have to come to terms with the fact that this is not cut and dry. Like this is not clearly murder. There is there's something more complicated here. So there's a thought experiment that I heard that I think is really powerful, which is okay, you are in a fertility clinic that is burning down. And Mm -hmm. in one corner, you have a thousand fertilized embryos. And in the other corner, you have a two-year-old child. What do you save? You can only save one. And for me, and I have to imagine for most people, the obvious instinct is you're going to save the two-year-old child. Save the baby. Because there is clearly a difference between a, a human being out in the world and a cluster of cells, right? Or, or a not an born, being, an unborn right? being. Um, yes. And I, I think any, any honest Republican would actually have to grapple with that question. And it, it starts to raise that point that this is not clear cut. This is not clearly murder. And um, I, I just think that's a more interesting way to start a dialogue with a conservative than trying to say like my body, my choice, which feels like a um, honestly just a, a way to signal to the base and great and fine, but it doesn't really, Cut yeah. to the heart of it for me. Here's the other one. Um, here's what I say. There's a difference between what what one individual believes morally than what is moral or right from a policy perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think we often slash almost always conflate the two. And it's really important to think about both. I think a good example is marijuana. For, for me, I like pot, but I don't think it's great if people are high all the time. Whether it's immoral or not, like, I don't know. I think if you're a pothead and you're smoking all day long, it'd lead to laziness, absent fathers, bad parents, like people driving machines and they shouldn't be that high. Like, I don't think people smoking weed all day is a good thing. I don't think people speaking, smoking weed in, like, on a moral I basis laugh is like you sound like great. such a like 80s dad. Like, just say no to drugs. They're lazy and blah, blah, blah. You know, like. No, but I, yeah. I, I like if we're honest, though, like, does it make you lazier? Of course it does. Like anyone who smokes weed is like, yeah, I mean, there's certain people. I know, there's some people who actually, active. I think, get like bursts. I know people who get bursts of productivity, actually, when they, sure. they smoke. But I, they're people generally the exception, but not I, the I rule. I understand your, right? your broader point. Let's take like it. Like most people who smoke weed, you get a little lazy. And it's not a bad thing. I'm not judging people. But it's not like the most productive drug, generally speaking, right? Um, Do cocaine instead, kids. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right? But my point is like, I don't, I, I don't morally love people getting high all the time. I don't think that's like what a great man of integrity or a great father should be doing. Um, I'm not judging. It's just my personal moral opinion. However, in practice, trying to take my morals and putting them into law is a disaster. And we've lived it. People still get marijuana regardless. So that's not working. It creates a black market, which increases crime and deceit and wastes government resources to stop the trade of marijuana on the street when we could just be taxing and actually getting revenue. Um, and we apparently can't enforce marijuana like distribution or use without being freaking racist. So all ambition, all, all in the prohibition of pot, which may be something morally people could be against, 
it practically is a complete mess. And I think abortion is very, very similar, um, where one may think that abortion is morally wrong. Um, and there are plenty of people who don't think it's a good thing for us to be celebrating abortions. Um, however, from a policy standpoint, banning abortion becomes a disaster. You don't ban abortions. You actually ban safe, safe abortions. abortions. You, if anyone's seen Cider House rules, it's very well done and very obvious how this works. Um, and frankly, you start, you just economically hurt some of your least fortunate in the world. Right. And, and, and you don't women. end up banning abortions for rich women. You, you ban abortions yes. for poor women. Right. And I mean, there was an interesting, uh, Freakonomics made a point, the book Freakonomics made a point that became somewhat famous, which is that they tracked the passage of Roe v. Wade and the decline of crime in major cities. And they saw it basically tracked perfectly yeah. that you started to have a, a decline in crime in cities right when the, the kids that weren't born that would have been coming of age to be involved in crime at that, like weren't. Um, yes. now people have criticized that, but, but I, I do think it makes sense, right? That when you give women the choice to family plan and to, um, have more autonomy over their lives and the direction of it and their finances. I mean, powerful, positive things happen. I think to close on this, I'll say, I'll say one note, which was a stat that I, I read years ago that has stuck with me, which is, this is a, we're talking globally now, but no country has lifted themselves out of poverty in the last 50 years without expanding access to birth control. And that's obviously a, a relevant part of this conversation because it just goes to say that when you empower women to make their own choices around family planning, remarkable things happen. Like women being able to control their fates in that way and control their finances in that way is mm. yep. amazing. And we are stripping that away. So I'm, I'm really horrified. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the, so look, we like to make this podcast of action. In this case, there's little, you, I mean, there's a lot of people fighting back, especially if you live in those States. But to us, I, I think one of the best weapons we can give those who are pro-choice here is the ability to have the moral conversation with those on the other side of this issue. Um, and so that is either the moral policy argument I was just making, or the one you were making is that in a burning building, do you save a tower of embryos or a small child? Most of us would save that small, the vast majority would save that small child. But speaking of, I guess, the right or left freaking out, let's talk about Joe Rogan and Ivermectin because... This was wild. Um, and Carly and I, we'll start here. Carly and I are not doctors, but I have been, I have two of my really best friends. One in particular is like my best friend, uh, is a like a very successful doctor at Texas Children's in Houston, in Texas. Uh, so he sees all sorts of all this. So he's been my go-to, but I've been texting my doctor friends to get some insights on this. But let me give you some context and then Carly, you could probably add more too. So um, on August 28th, on Saturday, August 28th, Joe Rogan, the one and only Joe Rogan experience, he posted on Instagram that he had COVID. It seemed like he got it maybe like, I think he posted it, I think on Monday, but he, he got it on Saturday on August 28th. Um, and Eventually, he said he felt good by Wednesday, September 1st, a few days after. And he talked about the just like onslaught of meds and vitamins he threw himself with. And that included a lot of things I think people should do when they're sick, like vitamin drips if they can afford it and things like that. But he talked about monoclonal antibodies, Edeka Z-Pack, he took prednisone, and he took 
he mentioned something literally in passing called ivermectin. And by Friday, September 3rd, he had tested negative. So basically in like five or six days. I, I want to like, I'm like suppressing a laugh through all this because I'm just like, God, our world has gotten so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like yeah. a, well, finish this I mean, up. He's, I mean, like, it, he's some super, he's a super rich celebrity. Right. He just like took a bunch of shit like, and suddenly now it's up like with drugs. Uh, in my the Twitter feed was like inundated with commentary on Joe Rogan's choice of ivermectin. Anyways, continue. And I don't think, I want to be fair to Joe. I don't think he was like, guys take ivermectin, but the press was like, you're I could influential. definitely see though, Joe Rogan on his podcast, like touting ivermectin or, or, we or look that up, yeah. bringing a guest on who was touting ivermectin. He's definitely, you know, that's, that's the, the currency he trades yeah, in is definitely sure. like asking questions of people who have like dubious things. Oh, I'm yeah, a Joe Rogan fan, by the way. Like, I, don't, I know crowd, people generally. fucking hate him. I don't. I, He's I, on record like saying that young, healthy people should not get the vaccine. Right. right which um, obviously I do not so, agree with. Which all. we disagree with. So I want to, let's start with this. To be very, very clear, y'all. Ivermectin. What is it? It's an anti-parasitic drug. It did win the Nobel Peace Prize in 2015 for its success in combining river blindness and other tropical maladies. Vets veterinarians use it to prevent heartworm and parasitic infections in some animals. And it is used for quoting my doctor friend, resistant life infections and drug resistant scabies in children. Um, and, and the bigger point, and I think you pointed this out to me, Zach, is there had been, I guess, trials done in Egypt or something at some point during this whole COVID situation that suggested uh, ivermectin actually might be quite powerful in countering COVID. And all of those studies have since been retracted or debunked by uh, legitimate doctors. So let's be clear. Don't take ivermectin. We got to yeah. hammer that. Don't take this shit. Um, there is no... Compelling there is evidence no, that it does anything. No positive. evidence that it works. There is no peer-reviewed studies that have said this works. And there is a lot of downside. Way more downside than we talked about with the vaccine. Like, it's not close. And I will say, people like Brett Weinstein and some of these folks who have become, I would say, very conspiratorial in in sort of the COVID era, but people who have historically said things that I think are smart. He was one of these guys really pushing the ivermectin thing. He's also now an anti-vaxxer. But I think when he was pushing it, if I'm not mistaken, it was back before sort of these... uh, so in like December Egypt 2020, trials had been debunked. This is where we all got confused. So in December 2020, Pierre Corey, who was a critical care physician who used to work for the University of Wisconsin Health University, uh, University Hospital, um, testified before the U.S. Senate, like Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee, saying that this thing was awesome. I think the direct quote was a miracle drug. He said it was great. Um, and there were a bunch of studies. There was one done in Egypt. Um Massive study, like 2,000 patients, and found that it was great. Um, but the study, <laughs> which got a lot of positive press, and then the study got ripped apart. Um, it started, it wasn't a double-blind study. They compared people who took ivermectin versus hydroxychloroquine, which is something Donald Trump talked about, which also is terrible for <laughs> you. like the fish um, tank cleaner. That- <laughs> but some med student was like, looked into this and was like, he got like assigned this and then like as part of his like, like getting his med degree. And was like, yo... Uh, this is bullshit. And like, this was plagiarized. Like, it's horrible. Um, the author, and he's like, the list of the holes they found in the study is ridiculous. The authors claim to have done the study on 18 to 80 year olds, but there are at least three patients in the data set who are under 18. They can, they claim to do the study between the 8th of June and the 20th of September in 2020. However, most of the patients who died were admitted to the hospital before the 8th of June. 
Uh, and then they had a bunch of errors in the data that had like made up dates, like June 31st and things like that. Like the study was a was nonsense to the point where it got pulled down. There was no like major research database that, that hosted this site. But the one that did, I think it was called Research Square, um, pulled it down. They took it down because like this is a joke. So there's now really literally nothing that suggests there's that. Not, and if you're works. if you're doubting, so here's the deal: like World Health Organization, Infectious Diseases Society of America, and the FDA are all like, "Don't fucking take ivermectin." But if you don't believe them, if you're like, "I don't trust anybody," Merck, the fucking pharmaceutical company that makes the drug oh, wow. <laughs> that profits off of ivermectin, was like a formal press release, like, "Please, for the love of God." Do not take it. No scientific basis for this. No meaningful evidence for clinical activity or efficacy in patients with COVID-19. And a concerning lack of safety data in the majority of studies. They said all three of those things. Yeah. I, for a bit. I'm going to put the link in our day. So, uh, so this ivermectin conversation is ridiculous. Um, okay. And the side effects are disgusting. I will say this first came on my radar, this whole Joe Rogan thing, from Glenn Greenwald, who has been sort of critical of the media's coverage of all this because all of this being true, the media, it appears, did what they often do, which is just like way oversimplified. And so the media was just like endlessly referring the, referring to ivermectin as a horse tranquilizer and like a horse drug or something. Mm -hmm. And Which it is. Which it is, but it is also used in humans. It's also so it, it, It's a little right. bit unfair or misleading you know, it, it does that thing, which is like, it allows Democrats to be like, I roll, God, can you believe just how stupid these people are? Like, they're taking right. horse, whatever, tranquilizers. And they're um, like, it's to and be Glenn like, are you kidding like, yeah, me? Like, it's this, a real like, drug. It can be prescribed. And it, and it feels like the thing you and I talk about, which it feels counterproductive, because when then you have individuals who maybe lean a little bit more to the right, or who happen to know that ivermectin is something that is used to treat human beings mm. at times for parasites and other things. And they see them only referring to it as a horse tranquilizer. And they're like, well, you don't actually, you clearly don't know the full story. Like you don't even, it's like, I'm not going to trust anything you say. And it becomes kind of counterproductive. Now the counter to that is that the only over the counter version of ivermectin you can get does appear to be the one for horses. I find this whole thing like honestly funny and Dude, I'm sorry. I know hilarious. people are going to be mad because like people are dying, but like this is fucking hilarious. Like so the increased demand for the drug is this combined where we are? with the scrutiny from pharmacists, there's been shortages of the veterinary formulations of the drug and a spike of calls to poison control centers because this stuff's nasty. Guys. Okay. Now there was also Don't claims take ivermectin. You're okay, so now, taking the vaccine. Now, this is the the second part of the story, though, is so you have Glenn Greenwald. He's mad because he's like, the media keeps calling us a horse tranquilizer or whatever the fuck. And it's, it's not just right, for horses. Right? He's like a libertarian kind of. Well, the irony right. is Glenn Greenwald has always been like super lefty. Like he used to be. Yeah. But I, I think Glenn Greenwald is still incredibly left. What he okay. is, is he's so far left that he also sees the lies of the media, right? Like, the, like okay. the defund police movement feels like the mainstream media doesn't give their views proper coverage. Like, he, he I don't know if he's pro-defund the police, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like, he's he's super, okay. super he's lefty left. okay. to the point that he he becomes, like, friendly with the right in our, like, in yeah, the, 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 the mistrust of the horseshoe. media. You know, the yeah, far exactly. right and the far left start to touch at the end. Okay. Um. So, uh, so anyways, and then... He th then the like the kind of like pièce de résistance or whatever like the like the pinnacle of this whole thing was Rolling Stone did a story claiming that there were like gunshot victims in Oklahoma who weren't being treated at a hospital because there were all these backups at the hospital due to the number of people being treated for overdosing on ivermectin and Rachel Maddow retweeted a version of that story 
And it turns out that also is not true. And you had the hospital where these people were apparently being treated put out a statement being like, no, we have not seen some surge in people taking ivermectin. We we like totally have capacity. Like this isn't true. So then of course the right latches onto that and they're like, oh, right. like look at these vultures like claiming fake news all the time. And like Rachel Maddow has still has this story tweeted. She's never how she can hasn't we trust them with the vaccine if they can't even it. get this yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, no, that's what's happening. This is why we want to talk about because it. it's like you have these both the right and the left. They're just going nuts all the time. And if you're an average person, you're like. Okay, well, is Ivermectin bad? Because I do like Joe Rogan. I do trust him and he seemed to use it and get better. So maybe it worked. And and this really is at the core of it. Like, I think I was saying this to you beforehand. Like, even doing research for this, it feels like it's very hard to trust anybody you read because it does feel like this is one of those cases where everyone has an agenda. It feels like the people on one side want to prove how unfair the media is. So they want to give undue credit to Ivermectin and then... The other cohort is just like so gleeful at the idea of getting to like spit on Joe Rogan that they just like can't wait to tell you how how absurd ivermectin is and it's only used for horses, et cetera. And so it, it just leaves this like information vacuum that I know so many of us feel where we're like, I don't even know where to get the real story. No, I was or, like, struggling. What's actually I had to talk on. to actual doctors. Like friends to, of yours. Yeah. Um, to get good info on this. And I, he sent me a really good article written by a former commissioner in the FDA. Maybe ideally it was this person or assistant commissioner, whoever it was. Um, but it, ideally it was back when we used to trust yeah. institutions when, uh, the, yeah. Cause you were talking was, about a study was, that was put out by like, but he, like he basically debunked it all. Debunked. I believe it's a, he, um, yeah. debunks everything. And it, the point is like, look, I do believe all of this, um, are, it's a personal, like until it's federally mandated, um, it's a personal choice right now. Like you, I want people to get the vaccine. You should, you should do, we get a whole episode of this, but it is your choice. And Joe Rogan, super rich, super like into health and fitness. And he eats elk and bow hunts and all that stuff. Like that's what he does. If he wants to pump himself up with horse parasite medicine and vitamins and stuff, that's fine. And it's that also important to note, he's like being administered by top doctors. Like this is he not, he's not like, alone, world, like home sure. alone, just being like, oh, I'm just going to shut his I went to the vet and I heard this was good. Like yeah. he, you know, he's got, a whole bunch of stuff going into him. Yeah. And um, I think, frankly, that's fine. It's a free country. You do what you want. But all right, one of the I'm things wrap you should up. want to do is to get some more info. And so we're trying try to provide that. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to um, wrap this up because we are recording this much later than we usually do uh, due to a surge of work that both you and I ended up having today. So oh, it is, yeah. Wait, it you is can't wrap this bedtime. Up yet. Why? You can't wrap this up yet. What do we because have? Because today... Is NFL going to be kickoff. a Buffalo Bills thing? Yes, of course it is. Oh my god! What? Oh my god! Guess what? Josh Allen begins his MVP campaign and the Bills Super Bowl run this Sunday, one o'clock against Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo. And guess what? I will be there. And guess who's coming with me? Carly Riley. <laughs> She's coming. Her first time in Buffalo. I was going to make a snide comment, but the truth is, I'm actually really excited. I've yeah, been hearing about be Buffalo awesome. Bills tailgates for Let's truly go. years at this point. Uh, Carly's doing, um, there's this guy named Pinto Ron that does fireball shots out of a bowling ball and Carly's taking one. It's oh, this be is the first like time I'm hearing about this. Ball. Yep. That's how you get COVID. That's how <laughs> yeah, you do that it. Is, yeah. This is the first you time have to be vac- Hey, to give Buffalo credit, you have to be vaccinated to get into the tailgate and the stadium and you have to wear a mask when you're inside. So we'll Good. be relatively safe. Um, Good. You'll love doesn't matter. It's going to be right. 60,000 people going crazy and bills, bills by a million. Anyway, I love you all. I hope this episode was 
pissed everyone off. I'm just uh, I feel like it probably did. I don't know. Who think knows? So? I think everything pisses everyone off. So I'll get canceled I don't really again. care. We don't tend to care either way. So I don't We're know, not but. important enough to get canceled for more than like an hour. Um, we can't get oh, thought. We have such a disagreement about the canceled thing, which is you canceled. use that term so liberally. At. And to me, You're like right. I'm not getting fired. And so like canceling right. requires like a loss of income, which neither you or I are at risk of. So that's at the moment um, for cool. now. Um, we love you guys. Enjoy your weekend. See you next Sayonara. Thursday.